Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Modern Nation? After a week hiatus, we are back with another episode of the Rush Podcast. I'm Anthony Salone. It's your boy Alex Nicholas on the mic. One two one two one two one two, and we're back after. Uh, yeah, man, it was a, it was a, a. It hasn't been too much basketball, you know. They've been playing these once a week games, but damn, bro, it just feels like forever because of all these losses. You know what I'm saying? Like it just feels like just dragging and dragging. Like you know, I think a lot of people are drained. Yeah. Like, you know, the emotions of a 6-0 start, a, a, right. big, a big win over Colorado State, some AP votes, and then it's not the fact that it was three losses, three blowout losses with an average of, what, 14 and a half points, but we'll get into that yeah. for sure later on in the show. But kind of the, I guess, something that we haven't really talked about on the rush because we've been working on the side to try to figure out the exact situation with this UTEP coaching uh, coordinator position, which is, to me, at this point, with, with less basketball in the middle of recruiting, this should be the bigger story because, you know, of what really sets up next year, all the returners coming back, the Aaron Jones coming back. This is a crucial point in this program right now. And so basically, can I bear all yeah. of everything that we've heard? Yeah. So basically, from the beginning, we've, you know, we've worked sources and different, you know, people that have that type of information or that pool, whatever, and, Basically, from the offensive sta- offensive coordinator standpoint, this is going to be a splash hire. Yeah. You know, there's been talks in, in, in of this being somebody that's going to take a significant pay cut yeah, from wherever they're at. That's what I heard to start. I I don't know what exactly that means or who that name is, but I mean, look, the DC we're not really sure about. Right. But like you said, the the OCs where people really are expected to be impressed. That's what we've been told. I've been trying to dig. Everybody that I've talked to, you know, they're not really sure yet. It's like a uh, gag order on it. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're definitely keeping it tight, tight-lipped. But you know, from what you heard, it's going to be an impressive hire. Yeah, and that they're already in place. We're talking about offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator are both quote unquote in place now. That to me, that tells me following the college football coaching carousel is number one. These people have agreed verbally whoever it could be, uh, two, they may be in bowl games or NFL seasons. We don't know any of these names. So right now this is all just speculation on our part. So nothing that we've really heard about a bowl team or NFL. But you know what's funny? I never, I never thought about NFL. I never thought about NFL. I mean, I it, it, I think it's kind of a stretch to think that a guy would come from the NFL back to UTEP to, to be an OC. You know, it would be different if it was a power conference school. But everything that's been in my mind is that it was – somebody from a power conference. Since I heard this a couple of weeks back, you know, we heard, what, maybe three weeks Basically, as soon as the, the news broke that we broke, well, I guess the prospector broke it, but we were right after that, you know, uh, as soon as that came out that, you know, the, the, co- the coordinators were gone, um, you know, pretty much the next day or the day after, we pretty much heard that Kugler had already extended an offer to, to his really offensive coordinator aggressive. and that, that it was going to be a very impressive hire and that they were just waiting for him to accept it. And now we hear just days ago um, that they have accepted that the both coordinators now are in place. And But, yeah, I mean, I never I never really thought that it would be outside of, of the defense. You know, when you talk about Rodriguez and, and, Patterson. and Patterson, outside of those guys, I had never really thought anything about an NFL guy coming back to be the OC. But at this point, I mean, you never you never know. But this is the guy that is really supposed to take this offense to the next level. I mean, and, and you know what? If it is as impressive as we're expecting it to be, I have to give Sean Kugler 
a lot of props because I lost all faith in that guy. I really did. Not that my opinion means anything. It doesn't. It but, does to me. <laughs> but no, but, you know, I lost all faith in that guy. And and if it's as good a hire as, as they're making it out to seem, then this may finally, finally be that turning point that, that takes this UTEP football team into the next level, you know, that, that maybe takes us to a level where we can beat a power conference school, where we can win a bowl game. You know, it's been – 30, 40, what is it, 48 years now, 47 years since we've won, won a bowl game, 67, yep. was it? You know, so maybe, maybe, maybe these are the hires that we've been waiting for. And, and again, you know, we'll, we'll keep an ear open and we'll try to figure it out. We'll try to pry a little more. But from everything that we found out, Kugler's really keeping this tight-lipped. And, and whoever he has told, he's obviously told them to really, really keep it tight and not yeah. be talking about it. So, We'll we'll see who it is. I think I think we'll have some news for y'all in the coming days. Yeah, really, I, I think before that, that January ninth yeah, that he threw yeah. out to the Times, and really I think what it is is it was I think there was a lot of frustration with development at the offense in the offensive side. I think no defense doubt. we saw no some, we saw great development on the defensive side. I think defensively they're looking for a scheme change. Offensively, I think Kugler was really upset about the the development of the quarterbacks. I think that could be that number one deal where you just haven't seen these guys block a guy like, especially like Ryan Metz who has the tools and and to have him in the program for two years already and to see him still where he's at, that's coaching. That's not on the kid. That's really not on the kid at all. And if if you know this kid, Ryan Metz, how hard he works, that's going to be key to see who can come in here and develop. And that's going to be huge. I think that's a big key going forward. Let me throw this. I don't know why I thought about this. Two names jumped out at me. Last night, I'm going to bed thinking about what the hell we're going to talk about on this podcast. Chris Peterson. No. Well, <laughs> you know, obviously. Charlie Weiss and Mark Mangino. I don't know where I got those names from. I don't know where I got those names from. Really? But I, I just – Charlie Weiss, for some reason, you know, there, there's – Kugler has these these little connections that we don't know about. You know what I mean? There's, make a phone call to get a phone call. He was – obviously – Charlie Weiss. Charlie Weiss. I don't know why that came to my head. I, I, and, and that's no, that's just basic. That's just me, you know, laying down in bed, chilling, thinking about the stars in the moon. Uh-huh. What's the connection, though? What am I missing here? What's the connection between Charlie Weiss and Kugler? I would think just NFL. I would think scheme-wise, what he wants to do. That would probably be the only – maybe they've crossed paths. In the, I mean, Charlie Weiss, what, he's been at Notre Dame. Yeah. He's been, you know, was he at Kansas under Mangino? Wasn't he an offensive coordinator at Kansas? You know, at one was, point under Mike he was, Mangino. He was at Kansas. Or he may have been the head coach. He may, he he may have been the head, head coach. coach. So, there, I mean, I, I don't – I'm just thinking outside the box because obviously this hire well, Mangino, is outside the box. Mangino came up as, as a head coaching candidate before Cooper. Right. So, that's that's something to consider. Obviously, he was in talk then. Now, is, is he willing to come at come to, to – He's jobless right now. That's true. That's true. I mean, and I think Weiss might be too. Weiss might be – Weiss is uh, out of a job also. He, he might – either that or he might be a consultant. But he did lose a job, I believe, in the past couple of years. So. I mean, those are big names. You're talking about guys that have coached at the highest of levels in college football. You know, so for me to think that they'd be willing to come take – you know, I would say they'd be willing to come take a head coaching job. Yeah. But would they be willing to come take an OC position? That's That's – to me, that's definitely thinking outside the box. That's but, a, but at the same time, like, I don't have – Oh, it's an impressive hire, no doubt. But I don't have any better names. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't exactly. even – It's so hard to pinpoint this. Again, you know, the one thing that I was told from the beginning is that these people will be taking a pay cut if they accept it. That's where, that's so, where my so, basis comes. Well, from first that. of all, 
if these guys are jobless, they ain't really yeah, taking yeah. a pay cut. So that's one thing. But, but their market value. Exactly. But, you know, I think the most likely scenario is that they're coming from a power school that is currently yeah, in a bowl game. I, yeah, I agree. That, that, I think that's, that's, that's about 80% of what I feel. Because honestly, news is out that the coordinators are gone, even though Cougar still has not come to the plate and said these guys are gone. Everybody knows they're gone. Or his other coaches or his are missing coaches. from the recruiting team. You know, so, you know, we know that these guys are gone, but nobody's come out to say it. So why, you know, why wait? Especially if they're already in place. If they're already in place, you know, if they've already accepted, you would think you'd come out and have a, 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 a press conference. Now, maybe that'll happen in the coming days. Maybe that's what they're working on setting up. But more than likely, it's because they're keeping it tight-lipped. They're waiting until these guys finish up their seasons, and then they're going to allow them to come on in January. Like Hit that recruiting said, trail. You know? get that last so, honestly, honestly, no clue. Yeah. No clue. Those are just two random I'm still, names I'm I still not. Out. I'm still not convinced that it's not Robert Rodriguez or – or Patterson on the defensive side, but offensive, like we had the last, last we had the same conversation yeah. the last time, you know, it was like, we have no idea no. who this could possibly be. I'm still there. And there's no, nothing, not a, not a single initial <laughs> has even leaked. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on, but that, that's kind of the latest of where it's at, that they, they are in place, you know, in quote unquote, in place, not contract sign, nothing. I'm pretty sure there's a verbal tentative agreement, but eighty percent sure, like I said, it's from an FBS school that's in a bowl game. So it's gonna be interesting to see. Cougar threw out the date January 9th to the El Paso time. You know, he's real. I don't want. To, I'm not saying this in a bad way, but he's a real control about how he runs things, which is good. That's not bad at all. I mean, that's kind of how you want to run things in a sense. Uh, you know, from the way that the way that Cougar is and the way that we know him. But so that's something to look out for. Ball. Some some other football news. The JUCO signing period is still intact. UTEP. Time, time. <laughs> Big. Big. What you got? This guy, Lutep. Lutep. Lutep's making a prediction here. He says it's Jason Garrett. Oh! <laughs> I'll be an Aggie fan. Fuck that. <laughs> That's too funny, man. Oh, man. I'll start the intimacy run. I'll be happy because he'll be out of Dallas, bro. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, but uh, it, like I was saying, like, the JUCO signing period, JUCO – First of all, a lot of people are probably wondering why UTEP only has one JUCO signing when everybody else in the conference has three or four. But really, JUCO recruiting wasn't a big-time priority this month outside of offensive line and defensive back. I think UTEP whipped on a couple of defensive backs. I, I knew that they were after, but didn't see where these kids ended up signing, been kind of busy at the office. But Tanner Stallings, a huge, huge pick for the yeah. offensive line. I mean, this guy, first off, you're going into the fertile recruiting grounds of JUCO football in Kansas uh, from Hutchinson Community College. And, I mean, this guy, when they when UTEP offered him originally, this was probably the beginning of December, I looked at this guy's film and was just – I mean, it's hard to say that there's a – like, you know, like you, you talk about different positions and, oh, this guy's so skilled – Tanner Stallings is a skilled offensive lineman. I mean, from his footwork to his, the way that he, the way that he's ex- executing his blocking schemes on the double teams, on whatever it could be, whether it's a zone or a regular just down block. I mean, this kid is a talented offensive lineman, and you don't really hear that much from offensive linemen. You hear, oh, they're nasty, they're big. This guy is skilled, and this is a huge pickup. We, it was funny because we talked about this on the last – we talked – we mentioned him on the last podcast, and the next day he ended up committing. Not saying that we're the ones that, you know, that spurned we that. Well, I guess we yeah, well, I'll take some credit. But, you know, it, that's just huge to get when, when you look at guys that are getting recruited after and you want them as fans. 
And then you go out there and, and, and Cougar's able to seal the deal. And I can guarantee you they went all in on Tanner Stallings because you can plug him in at center. You can plug him in at guard. I mean, that just gives you so much opportunity up there for no drop-offs. And there was some injuries this year. And while there wasn't 100% drop-offs, you can tell at certain times with Anthony Kyles, uh, trying to think, uh, Chris Thomas that, that, that came in there. Uh, you know, at right tackle. So there was some growing pains with those guys, but you're getting a guy that is just really D1 ready. I mean, I think some, well, sometimes these, these linemen, particularly on the offensive side, it's hard to get somebody that's D1 ready, particularly a freshman, but this guy's going to come in and make an impact. And that's a huge, huge signing to get for this offense. And somebody that I think there was a comment on here, whether it was, no, it was actually on Facebook where it was just a random fan that was really impressed with this signing. And, and, you know, I don't know if this fan knows much about recruiting. Obviously he does because he, he sees the talented cat, but you know, he's basically saying this has to be because of the offensive coordinator to get a kid like this, you know, I wonder, you know, I wish we could, I don't want to ask the kid, but I asked him, well, what were they promising you as far as the scheme? But either way, I mean, this kid is a talented kid. Uh, Cougar told the El Paso Times I was reading the other day that they're expected to sign two to three, maybe even four junior college players. Not going to be a big party, like I said, but I mean, you they got I mean, to address that, defensive not that, back. Not that this guy's on the hot seat or anything like that. Nah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. honestly, as, as pissed off as fans might get at him, as myself has been at him, you know, the truth is that that people around the program, the people that matter, the people in the athletic department, they love who, what he's doing right now. And they got reason to, you know what I mean? They have reason to. He's done some good things. I've been pissed off with the way he's he's run the program as far as, you know, the offense, the defense, the lack of adjustments, the way certain players were, were handled, or the situations, which we don't still don't know the full details. But, you know, that, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But either way, as a coach, like, he's not going anywhere. He, nah. he, you know, he's not on the hot. He's going to get five to and, six years. <laughs> yeah, and he's got at least a couple more years if he wants it. And so – but I do feel like he he coaches like he's got something to prove. Yeah. You know what I mean? Chip so on his shoulder. He's, he's got a chip on his shoulder. And so that's why he came in here day one and said, give me three years or I'm out, you know. And and he took us to a ball game in year two. But I think he feels like he – I think he feels the most like he let us down. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like even though it wasn't his fault, even though whatever happened with adjustments offensively, defensively, whatever happened with injuries, because we know we had so many of them throughout the year – I feel like he feels like it was a letdown. And because of that, he's ready to plug some pieces in play that can come in and produce right away, get these coordinators that he feels like can take this offense and defense to the next level, whether it be schematic or play calling or whatever it is. But he, he feels like he's ready to turn the corner with this program. And he and, and he and it just seems like what he's doing, talking about the hires, that even though we, we don't know the names, but from what we've heard, talking about the hires, talking about some of these JUCO pieces that he's trying to put in play, I mean, he's ready. He's ready to do it this coming year it's, it's like we said in the open where there's things are setting up for next year to be finally a year minus injuries was this year probably could have been if you look at the end result of a five and seven season of you know kind of the peaks and valleys and how one or two players missed in there without injuries could have probably changed a lot of things and you're correct i mean this is not only with the juco guys but the guys that he has redshirting i mean you're yeah. talking about two recruiting classes but we haven't even seen majority of his recruiting classes because these guys have been in the weight room they've been developing mentally physically on the scout team a couple of these guys this year so now you're getting these guys that are replacing pretty much almost the, the last batch of quote-unquote mike price recruits and now a lot of his this is going to be another young team but with some junior starters with a couple of seniors splashing between. So you don't really need to go out there and dig deep in, in Juco. You just need to get those 
kind of find methodical kids that are going to come in here and be able to, to produce right away. And that's why I think, you know, looking at schools like UTSA and, and even North Texas, where they're out there handing out JUCO offers like nothing. Yeah. But you, I, off the top of my head, I can only count maybe five or six that I've seen. Now, recently, that dwindled down. Maybe during the year, I remember reporting on a couple of, of, of defensive backs, which is a big, big deal that they do need to get defensive backs. But you're right. It seems like he's just being methodical because he knows what he has redshirting and what he's going to have next year and what he has returning. And this just, it's setting up for something, I think, possibly with the way the schedule is also set up, something special. I'm looking at the schedule today thinking there's no reason UTEP shouldn't start the season 3-1 and one with all their pieces in place and with the strong spring and whatnot going forward. But, you know, that's just something to keep an eye on, too, is this recruiting class. And, and finally uncovered this El Paso commit. There's been one El Paso commit that's eluded us. And the El Paso Times, I don't know if the guy didn't think that we had uncovered it or knew anybody, but he basically broke the story about him uh, recruiting, uh, about him committing. This is Josh Ortega that we're talking about from Malwood. He's actually participating in the uh, senior all-star game. I'm actually going to head out to their practice right now to talk, talk to a couple of those kids um, after the show. But he, anyways, this kid basically, uh, you know, just we've been trying to figure out because there was one extra El Paso kid that we hadn't uncovered and we've pretty much broken every El Paso kid that has uh, committed. So to me, this was just a frustrating thing not to find this kid out, but you know, this is another project player. I think you'll see him gray shirt, uh, Josh Ortega, 6'2", 270 pounds, really athletic. You know, if you look at my, the minor rush site, uh, you know, the picture that I found of him was him leaping up and batting down the pass. Very athletic kid. Montwood's defensive line, I watched two of their games this year. Nasty defensive line, bro, with him in the middle. They would go five down sometimes. They would move him inside out. I mean, this kid has some talent. I think that he could have played at New Mexico State on New Mexico. So this is a really good pickup. I don't think we'll see him probably for the next couple of years. He definitely needs to develop more. He needs to develop that man body sort of like Christian Johnson too, where they need to sculpt them a little bit more and, you know, get rid of that dough, that doughy part on them. But this is another decent pickup, you know, a kid that's obviously a project, uh, it's really good game film. You look at, some, especially some of the competition that he has, but defensive back all today that uh, the past couple of days UTEP's offered three high school cornerbacks and I'll put together a little write-up sometime this weekend uh, basically just putting letting you guys know who these kids are but that's a big priority they need to address some corners because we lost Ish you lost Tron uh, you're losing to Carlos Renfro and now these weren't you know guys that were producers and shut down guys yeah. but they were veteran guys that got the job done towards the latter part of the season i mean and i'm still looking to see what we're going to get out of some of these young kids too like Kalon, you know jarell brown you know, signed omar lloyd you know with Kalon in particular because he was thrust in there right away he was put into the fire right away and and he definitely had his struggles early on but he he was one of the guys yeah. that improved later on in the season you know, and and so I'm 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 interested to see what they do as well because you definitely got to find that depth. But I'm looking to see some of these younger kids start to step into these these starting roles and, and be. I mean, it's hard to ask anybody to be a shutdown guy. But, but not just you know be a body I mean? out there. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I mean, and that's going to be with a scheme change. I think they want to go away from that man to man. You know, out on the island, you, four two five. Also, you look at schools like TCU that recruit these four-star corners that are born and bred to shut somebody down and not, yeah. you know, not saying that Kalon Beverly doesn't eat, sleep, and drink football, but, you know, he's just, he, he had that development growth, you know, that development uh, growth spurt that needs to happen. Nick Needham, you could throw him in the same realm too. Adrian Hinson, throw him in the same realm. Michael Lewis, who was an all-conference player, 
you know, he had a great second half of that season. So there's so many of these young pieces, like you mentioned, and when, if they go back to that traditional four, three, well, then we don't need to have, I mean, you might, and you probably want to to have depth, but you're not forced to have 10 defensive backs dressed every day yeah. because, you know, you're only going to use four, maybe five at a time, depending. And like we talked about on the last show, this uh, conference USA is slowly evolving into a, quote unquote running back league in a sense. Two high powered offenses, you know, in, in, in the conference now when before it seemed like, you know, before Cooler came to everybody was a high powered offense in conference US. So the guard is changing. Will the UTEP defense change with it as well? We know one thing that's not going to change. That's conference affiliation. Yeah. That's another tough <laughs> topic. We'll heading to the next time we'll we start it. going into that. Obviously uh, news broke last week that the commissioners of the Mountain West Conference were getting together. And, you know, from the second that I saw the article, you know, which the article came out saying UTEP Rice considered possible uh, expansion candidates for Mountain West. You know, when you actually went into it, read between the lines and checked out what they were talking about, it really didn't say that they were looking to expand the league. It just said like, hey, you know, we're going into our, our annual talks. You know, expansion's always on the table. We look at where we're at, what we need to do and so on. And that was pretty much it, you know, and, and it just said, you know, UTEP and Rice could potentially be candidates if, and as usual though, you know, as a UTEP fan, you go and you see that and you're like, here we go again. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like opening up that book again. It's just again. like, we, we've been down that road so many times and, and I don't know if it'll, I don't, I don't know if we'll ever be in the West and I don't know if that, that whole storyline will ever stop coming up every year or two, you know? It's been three years in a row. I mean, it's just what I personally think is this is personal thoughts. I think that this is something that is going to happen in the future. Look, what it's going to take, sorry to interrupt, but what it's going to take. No, I know where you're going because that's where I was going. It's going to take successful football program. Oh, yeah. That's what it's going to take. But not only that, but it's going to take Boise State going to the past. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't think, I, I don't know I don't think they they're going to expand. I don't know if they need that. But, but you start bringing in UTEP, right? We fit geographically. We fit in basketball-wise. We're a basketball school. Attendance. Attendance, you know. But you start bringing in football into play, and you start putting in thirty to 40,000 people a game, and you're generating that ticket money. Conference you're conference. consistently winning football games. You know, you bring more to the table because more people are interested. More people want to watch you, so you get more TV dollars. That's when you become an expansion candidate. As long as UTEP is an afterthought in of a seller dweller in football, and I'm talking about a long-term thing. I'm not talking about just one year you go to a bowl game and the next year yeah. you're four and eight. I'm talking about legitimately winning on a consistent basis. A Utah State streak. <laughs> you know, you got to have three, four, five years in a row. That's when they're going to come say, all right, you know, you've been to three NCAA tournaments. You made it to the Sweet 16 ones. You've won three bowl games in the past five years. That's when you become a candidate. Yep. It's not when you make it to the NCAA tournament once every six or seven years and, you know, you make a bowl game once every 10 years. It's, that's, that's not what's going to be. And I think that's why they're looking at the future because right now, hell no. Nah. I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, there, first of all, you've got the TV distribution money where Boise State is at the top of the block and UNLV is in Segundo Barrio. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So UTEP's an extra mouth to feed. What I think is they're, they're not expansion candidates i think they're replacement candidates this is just my personal opinion I, you know you can see uh nevada bolt you know or you know they get back hot on football or boise going to the pac-12 or I mean, there's also colorado like hawaii though yeah or hawaii, you know, hawaii getting shut down that's why because, that's why I think coming into, independent. instead of expansion they're they're looking not 
actively pursuing. I think yeah. they're looking at UTEP. And like I mentioned in the article, the follow-up article, UTEP's big deal right now is that strategic plan. They want to invest in their facilities and, and, and with the project. Here's another saying, thing to consider, though. And this was the first thing when I went to my sources about this, when I just showed them and I just said, here we go again, you know, and I showed them the article, you know, basically right now, right away, they were just saying it's not happening. Yeah. Like there's no talk around here. And not only that, we don't have the money to buy ourselves out of our current situation because there would be a hefty buyout. And I don't know exactly what the number is from Conference USA. You might know oh, that. Maybe two, I, three million. Three, three, the, I think the last thing I heard on Twitter versus like 3.5. So even at that, you know, I mean, now you might you might find a booster or a group of boosters who are willing to put that money together and, and buy you out. But chances are, with the way it is currently, that's not going to happen. You go to a bowl game this year, you you know what I mean? Be so great so that's, that's definitely something that, that you They're trying to them, invest but, in themselves, it looks like, where, where they want to make themselves attractive, more attractive from the facility part with a budding football program budding process of a football program yep. that Cougar is implementing to, if we do blow up, like you said, that three, four years as well, hey, we have a renovated press box. We have a renovated tumble. You know, we were drawing 35,000 in, you know, on average, bigger games were, were drawing 40,000. You know, we, we, we've pushed three or four guys into the NFL that have been all conference players, all, all American honorable mentions. I think that's really and, what you, and, and you know, focus you know what, right what, a, what a, a real, real, and it's not even just winning a bowl game or being consistent, but a real thing that would give you an opportunity to make it is like an undefeated run. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause you start, cause you start getting that national exposure, you know, and you, you, you go 12 and 0, you start coming into the conversation of playoffs of football playoffs, you know, it, depending on what kind of conference, you know, out of conference schedule you had and whatnot. But I'm just saying, you know, that kind of run where you saw like Toledo this year for a while, they were undefeated. Of course, they lost a couple down the stretch, but Northern Illinois know, a couple years yeah, ago. And, and you go seven, eight, nine, ten, and 0, 11, you get to that 12 and 0 mark, 13 and 0 mark, and, and you really are in that national spotlight. You're nationally ranked. And you do that once, you know, that puts you on the national you know, in the national spotlight on the map nationally, you have another year or two of bowl game appearances, whether they're 10 win seasons or not, but now you're, you're solidified on that national scene. And that's when you're much more appealing to a mountain West conference. And, and let's recruit. be honest, man, let's be honest. And recruits. A lot of people, I've seen a lot of people out there going, Oh no, I don't want to go to the mountain West. And we're conference. You're USA. crazy. Boy. Come on, man. You're crazy. Come on, we say man. that, man. Like, you know, there's, there's First of all, it's just a much better fit for us. Logistically, think about what we do on a regular basis traveling. <laughs> Have you ever been to Norfolk with you? Do you Hell know no, I haven't. Hell no, I haven't. But no, seriously, like, you know, that's such a huge thing. Like, how much of your fan base outside of, of Pat, one minor fan, can travel to Norfolk, Virginia for exactly. a game? Think about you know what I mean. Nothing to look at. The attendance has gone down. It may not be because we're bringing in Old Dominion. But it very well could be, you know. No, but I mean? you know, you you have a game, you have a home conference game against UNM. You're gonna have UNM fans exactly, coming down here. Exactly. You have a home Colorado game against State Colorado fans, State. Yep. You're gonna have Colorado Nevada. State. I mean, other yep. teams, they're, they're they're reasonably close enough to where they will come and support their team, which bumps your numbers. And you're not even just talking about your numbers and ticket sales. You're talking about concessions. You're talking about hotels. You're talking about a bump economically for the entire city. Now, it may not be a great bump. But, you know, you start, you start doing a little better in football and you're talking about, you know, bringing in an extra couple thousand people five, six times a year 
You know what I mean? Because that's, it's that's just a, worth the trip because you're yeah, playing UTEP. It, you're you expecting know, the Sumble atmosphere to be back of where that, it was. That's that's something that, that you you know would definitely be a bump, not only economically for the university, but for the city as well. So in the long run, being in the Mountain West Conference is beneficial to everybody in this city, honestly. Now again, it might not be make us, you know, it might not make us such a thriving economy in El Paso where, you know, I don't know, whatever, but it's definitely a positive for us, and it's a positive step. And I just think, you know, for those who think that that Conference USA is a better place for us, A, it is not a better conference. Three, four, five years ago, six years ago, when you're talking about Memphis, you got budding rivalries with Houston and those types of schools, maybe. You, you can know, you argue can, you, can, you can make an argument, but at this point, this is not – the Sun Belt 2.0. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Basketball is terrible. You know, football is top heavy as can be. Football try and, and not you can't even you could say it's three deep. Heavy. Yeah, it really is. It's, and it, honestly, it's two, and then yeah. the third is like okay, and after that, there's really not a lot. Nope. So, you, so you look to the Mountain West. You start talking about basketball because we look at basketball first here. They're a league that's getting three, four, five teams into the NCAA tournament, and that's dollars. Nope. That's dollars, not just for being in the tournament, but that's TV dollars down the road when you start, you know, going going forward with 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 TV deals when you're negotiating with. I don't think they have a Mountain West Network anymore. No, but, but they like, have, but they're on CBS, CBS Sports Network. Sports and Fox, what, you know, I don't know if they're on Fox Sports One. Whatever network, that's that's basically the old. It seems like more, they're on the old Conference USA TV deal. Much, <laughs> it really does. That's that's more negotiating power, and that's more dollars in your pocket, man. So oh. in the long run, geographically, economically, logistically, everything, Mountain West is just a much better fit for UTEP. But again, I think we're at least at least five years out on that. If if yeah. we continue to head in the right direction. And that's what I'm saying. I think it's something that we're we're not expansion candidates. We're replacement candidates for the future. And even you can even throw in Rice because of their academics. You know, obviously we're UTEP-centric, but you look at that, at what Rice can also bring. And like I said, it's nothing now because Rice has had a down year this year. You don't know where they're going to go. They lost Drivers Jackson. So from a football perspective, I mean, it's something definitely in the future. But it, is, it does give us something to talk about indeed. It gets us some page views. <laughs> <laughs> but moving on from this football talk into what we all are, Jordan Mimi crying face. Jordan Mimi crying face over a three-game <laughs> losing streak. And it's funny. I had a funny exchange with Coach Boyd yesterday. Uh, probably screwed up our chances of getting that uh, that drop. That drop, but uh, we were never getting it anyway. Bro. <laughs> we were probably, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, so we're sitting there about to interview him, and you, I don't, you know, I won't ask the first question. Usually somebody else does. Well, Harry Reese put me on the spot, and I was like, oh shit. So I, I had the question thought, but I, I went, I started by saying, well, coach is a four-game losing streak, and he kind of looked like. That's three. He's like, first of all, first of all, it's three games. So if you want, if if you're wishing that this the, that this week's gonna be a loss, you need to leave the building. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, bro. So uh, sorry, so minor rush, I'm Sorry, sorry, you dropped on Floyd now. <laughs> so until and so it's a must win for the miners for minor rush to get some respect back from Coach Floyd. Uh, but I mean, either way, I mean, uh, you look at this team. What have you seen? I mean, you could you know what probably man? have a laundry let's, list. Let's, let's be completely honest. This team is not as good as we thought they were, okay? That's not to say that there's not talent. There's a lot of talent to go around. But, but first of all, there's, there's not the depth that we thought, and the rebounding and the big men are a much bigger issue than we ever could have imagined. Just another incomplete Tim Floyd team. It, it really yeah. is just an incomplete team. And at the same time, it's not his fault, you know? Like, I, this is one – and I'm the first to give Tim Floyd all the shit in the world. 
I will. But this is not his fault. You had Vince Hunter leave, right? Which would have been a huge, huge thing if he would have stayed one more year. We'd be, we'd be at least. You know, you got Matt Williams that's got this stress fracture. Now maybe you can say it's his fault for not recruiting more bigs, but you know what? You can't really put that on him. The guy brought in a great recruiting class. He lost a big to the NBA. He lost a big to an injury, and now you're sitting here and you don't have, you don't have. The, the depth, you don't have the size, you don't have the rebounding ability, and it, and in the end, you're left to play one-on-one. And that has just killed us. With a bunch we've of newcomers. Seen it, we've seen it so many times is where this team has played well when the jump shots are falling. But too many times we become a jump-shooting jump team. And honestly, it's like they say with the three. You live by the three, you die by the three. It's the same way with just the jump shot. All you're taking is jump shots. You're not getting to the rim. You're not getting those easy high-percentage buckets you're going to end up going down because they're not going to fall forever. They're not. That's just not logical. You look at Colorado State, that game that we played them. They had that run. They hit six or seven threes in a, in a five- or six-minute period, whatever it was. You know, and, I, and my initial thought is like, okay, they're not going to fall. Once you see them get that, you know, they're not going to fall a game. Once you see them get that big lead, you're like, damn, we're screwed. But you saw in the second half. Those shots stopped falling. We started chipping away at it. We were getting to the basket. We were, you know, defending, defending, and we got back into it, you know. But we're becoming that team that is settling for the jumper. And you saw it against UT Arlington. You saw it against NMSU the first time. You saw it against uh, um, Washington State this past weekend, where we 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 jump out early. We're, we're we're playing all right, you know. We're hitting some shots and. Urban Morris is, you know, hitting a couple shots, and Dominic Artis hit a three early on, and everything seems like it's going great. We're up a couple points, five points early, and all of a sudden we just run out of gas, and and those shots stop falling, and now we can't rebound, and now we're not getting to the rim, and it's just a recipe for disaster, man. And it, it seems like New Mexico State set that blueprint of force them to force them to shoot early in that shot clock, because what it is is we're not good, we're not. It's kind of backdooring listening to the Floyd show last night where this team just isn't good enough defensively to be jacking up those type of shots early in the shot clock and not looking for a post touch. Now I know there's no big man that you could just give it to said Lang and he goes and either gets a bucket or gets to the free throw line. But I think really you touched on the offensive side, which was great. And that's on point to the T defensively. I mean, this team is just, I mean, I think they're worse defensively than they are offensively. It does start with the rebounding, but you talk about little things, getting, you know, just getting back on defense, getting lost, you know, through shooters and guys that are cutting in, in the inside-out game that Washington State and Mexico State really just exposed us defensively. And to what Floyd was saying is when you, going to your point on the offense, where we start turn into a jump-shooting team, you know, we're giving that team an opportunity when we're already down six playing from behind most of the time and we take a quick shot and they come down and get a, a free dunk or a free layup. Now you're down eight playing by an eight ball. Those shoulders start to sag, that confidence wanes. And this team not only is incomplete, it doesn't have zero confidence right now. I mean, zero confidence. I'm looking at this UT Arlington game and kind of waiting. All right, you know, guys, hit a couple shots, get a couple layups, cut the lead down. You didn't see that confidence. Like, like I saw that big-time confidence to come back against Colorado State where it was, look, everything's falling for us. But it just, it just wasn't in that Arlington game. It wasn't in Washington State. And there's just no confidence. And to me, I think it starts with this particular team and what Tim Floyd wants to do on that defensive end. And, and it's parlaying into what you mentioned about the offense where we're just relying on these jump shots. And when they're not falling, we're not getting back on defense to try to get, try to get a stop 
to get that ball back and get a better look. What's crazy so, to me, though, is that this team early on in the season tried to get to the rim. They made an effort yep. to get to the basket. 33 throws. Shots. Three, exactly. Three games. And these last three games, you have not seen that nearly as much. And, <clears throat> you know, that was – I want to move on a little bit and talk about NMSU because that was my – my like key to the win, you know what I mean? If you want to call it that keys to success or whatever, when, when nope. we played at MSU the first time, I, I said, you cannot, you cannot start, you know, settling for threes. You have to attack the rim, try to get these guys in foul trouble. And uh, another thing that I want to kind of start talking about is you can't let other people beat you. You have Siakam, the guy's going to get his, let him get his. You're not going to lose to Siakam. You're going to lose when when you end up letting other people beat you, and that's exactly what happened when Ian Baker went off for 24 Matt points. Taylor got a couple dunks. And so so moving on, I, I really hope that Tim Floyd has kind of gained control of this team because, number one, more than anything, I feel like he's lost control of it. There's no flow. There's no rhythm offensively. They get they, There's no offensive sets, it seems like. Yeah. Every time they're on the offensive end, it's it's pretty much just dribble pass NBA until ball. you until – find a lane or an open shot and but there's no movement there's no screens there's no I mean it's just there's no cutting there's no I don't know I don't I don't see I haven't that. seen any I've seen maybe two or three solid screens set yeah, off and and, and you, I just don't understand it and and you know he's got to gain control of his team Tim Floyd is not known as the best X's and O's guy anyway you know what I mean but he's got to gain control of his team and get something going get them into some kind of rhythm offensively because again you let this happen against NMSU. Now, granted, against NMSU, we fell behind early, and that was pretty much the nail in the coffin there because I don't care who you are. We may have done it against Colorado State. You're not going to do that on a regular basis where you fall behind double digits and just come back, especially on the road. So, you know, this has got to be a, a, a game where, you know, we go in, we attack the rim early, we don't settle for these jump shots, get some good offensive possession. Get you know? Siakam in foul trouble. Get Siakam in foul trouble. Like I mean, that's going to be tough, but either way, Get some good offensive possessions, man. You know, work it, work the ball around, set some picks, some pick and rolls, whatever. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a coach, but you know, Floyd get talked the about ball, that last night the, on the get show. The, get the ball, get you some high percentage shots, even if it's in the 12 to 14 foot range, man. You know, penetrate the middle of the zone because I know they ran some zone against us, and try to get yourself some better looks at the bucket. When you settle for long jumpers, man, it's just it's a recipe for disaster. It's just not going to go well. And the good thing about it is, is talking with Floyd yesterday and listening to his radio show last night, he's touching on all that. So he's, you know, there's, there's, you know, you talk about, you know, the X's and O's part where he's identifying this stuff. So now these kids got to react and it's got to become second nature for them because this is how this team is going to have to play. You know, you may, I don't know, looking at a team like Boss Tech, who I thought was, you know, a little bit different. I thought they're just like UTEP. So you may you may be able to get back to that style of play you were playing in the early conference, but in these next stretch of games with New Mexico State, with UC Irvine, even with Norfolk, even though we really haven't looked at them, you're going to have to play exactly how you're saying, where you're going to have to run some offense. And not only that, but the defensive end, you're going to have to take out that leading score, which has been an identity, the biggest identity. You know, and you can even go and say it was Julian Washburn, but that was an identity where guys like, even C.J. Cooper last year bought into that and would take out that that second leading score next to whoever Julian was taking as the first leading score. And that's really what where this team needs to go. They need to get back to that identity of, you know, we can we can shoot 35%. We don't need to be in the 80s to win a game. And I think this team kind of 
was in Floyd. This is almost back. I mean, backtracking what Floyd was saying yesterday, where this team felt like they had to outscore everybody with throwing up these quick shots and in these isolations and all that. We need to go back to that rule of last year where there's one post touch every possession. You know, you got to look at a guy like Terry Wynn who's playing tremendous right now. I mean, th- to have Terry Wynn play at this level, if you told me this. At the beginning of the season, I'm telling you, oh, there's no way UTEP goes on the three-game losing streak. But we're seeing drop-off from Hooper Vint. You know, you're seeing Paul Thomas not be that guy that we need right now. He's still very, very raw. And after that, you have nobody. So, I mean, this team, like you said, they got to find it. Floyd, it's got to start with Floyd and the staff, and we'll see Saturday. But this game, I mean, that's – This is a big-time uh, game big because game. we talked about it a couple weeks ago. And, and we sat here and we talked about how these could be the games that set you up for for a real good run and, and, and set up a resume, you know, start putting together a resume for the NCAA tournament. Frankly, at this point, that NCAA tournament at large bit Birmingham or bust, is baby. gone. It really is. You know, and I know it's only three losses, but we've seen the nature of the beast when it comes to the NCAA tournament committee and mid-major teams, especially in this Conference USA, where it's so weak. You know, we've seen a Murray State team, like I mentioned last time, that we saw last year in the NIT tournament. Honestly, that was a very good team. Probably could have won a couple games. <laughs> and, and, yeah, that was a team that belonged in the NCAA tournament. But yet, they won 27, 28 games in, out of the – was it MEAC or what are they in? Missouri Met, Valley. Missouri, are they in the Missouri, Missouri Valley? So. Yeah. Murray State? Anyway, whatever oh, conference no, uh, it is. O- OVC or whatever. Ohio, Ohio Valley. Ohio Valley. Yeah, you're right. So, anyways, you see a mid-major like that win 27, 28 games in a week conference – they don't even get a sniff of the NCAA tournament. It's the same thing for the minors. And I'm not, at this point where this team is at, they're, they're not an NCAA tournament team, so we can't even really think about that. But I'm saying we lost these three games. That at-large bid is gone. So it's time to kind of start over and just say, you know what, let's get back on track. Let's refocus what we're trying to do, take it one game at a time. And let, this is the game that could get you headed back in the right direction. Again, I think an at-large possibility is gone. But you want to start getting things headed in a good direction so that when conference conference play comes, you're not struggling with some of these games that you're opening up with on the road. I think it's, what is it, North Texas and Rice, something like that? Yeah, that's at home, and I think we go the UAB, La Tech. Yeah, that's even tougher. I wish it was okay. Yeah, Yeah. but, I mean, either way, I mean, and also, too, you got to get guys back and go into the Twitter sphere here with Lutet Minor with a question that I have an answer for. Will Omega continue to be punished by bringing him on solely, or will he give be given the full green light? And he's this is going to be a slow process. I mean, without airing out the kids' dirty laundry, there was more than just grades that is going on with Omega right now, or maybe not right now, but that went on over the summer with Omega. Uh, Floyd kind of touched on it, you know, last last night on the show about being chesty, and you know, Omega had a great year last year towards the end. You know, he he was. A freshman on the senior lady I'll tell you team what, didn't though, really man. have a I'll big what, breakout, though. but I'll tell you what though. If Floyd did not have Dominic Artis and oh, Lee Moore, yeah. oh, you know, yeah, he would already yeah. be out there. That's and, all and, I gotta yeah, say. Yeah, no, and and you're you're right, but I mean, we're gonna see because of that fact of having those two, you're gonna see Omega's gotta earn it. And this is what I was told over the summer, where Omega will get his grades back. But he's got to work himself out of the doghouse. And I think I may have even said it on a podcast or somewhere, in a radio interview, whatever it was. I remember saying that, that it's not an easy process. It's not just Omega's going to be. There was other incidents that happened over the summer that really, you know, put him deeper in the doghouse. So he's got some working out to do, Lutep. I mean, I I would be surprisingly shocked if he plays this weekend. Honestly, I would be surprisingly shocked if he plays in the Don Haskins 
uh, tournament that coming bad, up next huh? week. I really think that I think we won't probably won't see him. If I had to guess, if I had to put a bet down in Vegas that they were putting Omega Harris line odds, I'd, I'd say the real Grand Valley game. If that, that's just really I, 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 he, he fucked up. <laughs> You, I, wow. From what I've been told, he's lucky to even be on this team right now. Wow. From sources I told in the dirt that, that I've been told about Omega. And like I said, I think the kid's a great kid. I don't want to air out his stuff. I will never air that out. I have full respect for the kid. But there was some incidents that that will never come to light that happened over the summer that are keeping him in that doghouse. So I would really be surprised if, if, if you see him get the green light right away. Well, this Saturday, Miners are taking on the New Mexico State Aggies. That game is set to tip at 7 p.m. Mountain Time at the Don Hanson Center. New Mexico State's only five and five, 0 and three on the road. Tough loss. Miners trying to trying to snag trying to snag this uh, snap this this losing streak. But um, let's mention a couple quick scores here around Conference USA, and then let's move on and talk about some women's basketball before we wrap this thing up. But West Virginia taking out Marshall, 61-43 right now. Second half, seven and a half minutes left. West Virginia's ranked 20th. But big surprise right here for me, at least. Middle Tennessee, 81. Belmont, 62. You know, Belmont always got a decent program. Always got a decent I saw program. A tweet so that they were knocking down threes. That's that's a big early. time win right there for Middle Tennessee. And, and Middle Tennessee was oh and, and, oh shit! I thought it was Belmont because no, 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 no. the Middle tweets Tennessee. I was reading earlier, Belmont was up by like eleven. Middle Tennessee. Wow. Middle Tennessee. And and what's even more impressive is Middle Tennessee scoring eighty one points because yeah. that's not a team that that goes out there and runs and guns. They're so down, um, grind it up. Game. They're that's, up twenty now on Belmont, so that's win. a pretty impressive win for them. Uh, Rice knocked off St. Thomas. Texas and North Texas beat 0 and 13 Mississippi Valley State by. You 13. know what these schools are doing? They're attending UTSA included. They're playing these 10 o'clock school time games to invite school children to get attendance. No, that's where Conference USA is at, my friend. Although those two, yes, those two games are played at 10 o'clock in this morning in front of at least 2,000 kids, uh, school kids, and UTSA did the same damn thing yesterday. Wow. So. Well, you think Mount West is not a good conference for conference or for UTEP? Um, y'all need to check yourself. <laughs> but yeah, wow. I mean, that's just uh, you know, that's just the state of where we're at in this conference. But either way, I mean, Middle Tennessee, talk about a surge though that they've had. I mean, they came in number two in our power rankings this week, and almost I almost wanted to put them number one, but I think La Tech is right now, even though they got drubbed by Ole Miss. I actually, watched the second half of that game. And t- speaking of La Tech. They're, they remind me so much of UTEP, bro. I mean, they have the talent at guards. They just don't have any depth inside. And when their shots aren't falling, it's the same damn deal. So I don't think that there is a dominant team. Now, Middle Tennessee, because they're physical and that they – with the way Kermit Davis is that Tim Floyd disciple, that could possibly turn into that dominating team. But I think U, UAB was supposed to be that team. I think they're struggling to find themselves – Got can't forget it. They lost their last two games last year of the season at Florida Atlantic FIU and were fourth in the conference. They didn't really come in to the conference tournament last year, you know, playing lights out. That home court advantage, whatever you want to call it, may have helped them. But Middle Tennessee is a team that has really hung in there with some pretty damn good teams this Middle year. Middle Tennessee's and- only lost to Murray State, who is uh- – yeah, having a tough go of things now. Actually, they're 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 falling down there. They 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 were like five and two. They're now they've lost three straight. And then, but other than Murray State, they they only lost to VCU. Um, VCU's only lost some power conference teams, but that's that's that, VCU's a team that also beat Old Dominion pretty pretty easily. So and Richmond know. just old Old Dominion last night. Oh, they rolled the hell out of them. But 
the, the again, top heavy and something about Middle Tennessee that I just the way that I haven't watched them this year, but go, they returned everybody pretty much. I mean, that could be that dominant team in Conference USA come conference play because I don't I see La Tech and UTEP as almost the same, but. That Middle Tennessee team, that whenever they play on TV next, that's a game I'm definitely going to sit there and watch for sure. Well, Utah women's basketball, they're definitely the on red hot. Right the red hot Utah women's bro, basketball. Bro, I could pull a whole hour podcast about these Let's girls, do it. bro. Do it to it, I man. mean, dude, they got depth. They got coaching. They got star power. They got size. Which they got shooters. Coming in, we really weren't sure about this team. We you know, knew we there was a lot of questions. That, yeah. We thought Keith Adams would be able to get them back to where they we were. We felt but, they had the pieces. But, but, but it just, you know, and now you see with the start that they're off to and obviously gaining votes in the in the uh, top 25 polls. And, 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 and they've played – New Mexico State is a really good girls team. I mean, watching that game on TV, New Mexico State, I mean, UTEP really should have blown them out the water the way that they started. I think it was like a 20-4 to 4 lead. But New Mexico State, they're going to win the Sun Belt. New Mexico State's an NCAA tournament team. New Mexico, it, that they beat here is an NCAA tournament team. But this weekend coming up, we're really going to find out how good this team is. Um, you look at uh, UNLV, who they play Saturday in Long Beach State. Uh, Long Beach State is 6-2 and two right now. UNLV is 7-2, and two, I believe. And they are the best. When I read, they were the best rebounding team in the nation, UNLV. So, I mean, the Lady Miners are going to have their hands full this weekend, and we're really going to get a full look at where they're at, not only because this is kind of almost their first true road game, in a sense, playing Long Beach State on Friday, and then UNLV obviously will be a uh, a neutral site game because it's at Long Beach. But we're going to find out a lot about this team, but they are just so deep, bro. I mean, you're talking about their leading scorer right now, Jenzel Nash. She's back. I mean, the other night she had she was 0 from 7 from the field, but she still had 12 points because she got to the free throw line. Star Breedlove is one of the best point guards, women's point guards I've seen. I didn't get to watch Jericho Hughes, but I would say she would be pushing Jericho Hughes for one of those top you know, point guard spots. And then, you know, they're just Kamisha Turner. She pick, She's picking up where she left off last year, but she doesn't have to carry that scoring load. And then in the post, I mean, they're just loaded. I mean, Ta- Tamara Seda. 6'4 girl, uh, I, I, I always screw up her name, but uh, Dabra Boska had a double-double against New Mexico State. You look at, they even have guards McKinney coming off the bench, uh, Sparkle Taylor, another guard, McCants, another post. I mean, this team And they is got something like loaded, 10 man. players that are averaging more than 10 minutes a game. Yeah, and, that, and that, that's what once conference play how they distribute these minutes because right now with the lesser competition, it's kind of a free flow, who's hot. You know, that's what it seems like they're going to, not so much matchups. Uh, you know, it's really, like I said, just, you know, who's hot, who's playing well, who's not turning the ball over, who's defending. But, I mean, this team is just – this is one of those – this team would give that NIT team of a couple years ago a run for their money because they're so athletic. I mean, there was a stretch – I want to say it was the first five or six games where they forced over 20 turnovers. I mean, the team that they played, God help UTPB, I mean, their Division II team, but they had as much points as they had turnovers, 27 at the end of three quarters. So this team is impressive – Really, really, really excited for the conference play with them. So excited, I might even go out to Birmingham and drop a couple of G's just to go watch these girls and, and the men play, of course. But, I mean, they're they are talented, man. I mean, Keith Adams. It was funny because there's a there's a thread up there on Minor Illustrator right now talking about if Floyd ever leaves, would Keith Adams get a shot? Wow, crazy to think. But when you look at what she does. And what she's done here in 14, 15 that years, however long. Would UTEP 
I mean, her and Bob Stoll seem like they're like this, well, bro. What's crazy is like she. Ha- I mean, you think first of all, you think she can get thought. it done? You think? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I honestly don't know. From I mean, I'll say from the, the men's the men's game is a much different game, and oh. and the biggest thing, like you just said, is recruiting. And it, it, there's gonna be this stigma of just like you know not playing, not wanting to play for a coach, a female coach, because of whatever. Name the reasons; it don't matter whether it's right or wrong. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, but that's an interesting thought. And, it's real interesting. And, I thought and, that was the best thread you know, I read up on there. I'm not gonna say like, oh, well, maybe they've already talked about it, but it is kind of interesting that like she's never left. Yeah. Because. She definitely has to have gotten all sorts of offers since she's been here, and money, you know, has got to be better and everything. It just, you know, that's 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 some interesting. I'm you, that's that's something that's to think something about. To think about when right I saw there. that thread, I was like, oh shit, like that's not like that's just not somebody just trying to kill time for a conversation. Like that could be a legitimate conversation for a couple years if she sticks around. Because I mean, yeah. with this year. If there's a year to bowl with the team that she has this year, I mean, they could do some pretty special things. I would think – I don't know, and I'm saying this because I don't know anybody in conference. I don't know – you know, we know Western Kentucky is a normal power, Old Dominion. I, mean, I don't know where those teams are at. I know uh, Middle Tennessee lost a lot of girls, but, you know, that's just something to keep yeah. in, in the back burner for, you no, know, no, another no. conversation. But interesting, interesting, interesting. Well, it's been a good show. I hope we didn't keep you guys too long. This has been one of the shorter ones of the season, but hopefully we'll have more to talk about next week after this NMSU win. I mean, NMSU game this weekend because we, we, no, we need them to win because if not, Coach Floyd's going to be pissed off at Alex <coughs> for saying four, four game losing. Game, so. <coughs> That's true. I'll get it in that post-game presser. <laughs> you will definitely get it in that, in that post-game presser. You, That's when you should ask him for the drop. Yeah, right. Oh, man. Fuck your podcast. <laughs> Hope y'all enjoyed it. You know where to find us, minorrush.com, sbnminorrush at gmail.com, facebook.com slash minorrush, and sbnminorrush on Twitter. Until next week, happy holidays. Happy holidays.